Elvis, 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 Hey there guys, we've got rodeo riding and rooms full of fighting, we got lost gold found in an old ghost town, there's an inappropriate liaison with a boss, a little slapstick, a little spookiness, and even a wet lady getting spanked once again. Oh my god, I missed that This movie's part. got a little bit of everything. Holy jeez. So, I'm sorry, I didn't, yeah, tell, <laughs> okay, what, what movie are we talking about? Tell the fans. So welcome back to Elvis Has Left the Movies, today we are talking about 1965's Tickle Me. Wonderful. Okay, so first impressions of the movie. I'll let you go first. Well, they got some of my first impressions last week because I had watched uh, a movie right. ahead. So I mentioned that I actually like this one. Yes, yeah. I said at the time that I put it on par with Girl Happy. And I think having sat on it for a bit, I would probably... It's not as good, obviously. But the parts that worked for me really worked. Yeah, I, I don't know that... Um... Geez, I'm having a hard time recalling Girl Happy now and like what even happened in that. That was the rock band beach party one. Right, 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 right. Yeah, uh, I think I do like Girl Happy more than I like Tickle Me. Yeah. But Tickle Me also, I think it's pretty close to, to being on par just in terms of like how ridiculously entertaining it made itself to be. There, there are some scenes in this movie <laughs> where I'm watching and I just had to be like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is where we're going. Like, imagine if, you know, the scene that we always talk about from Al Capoco where he, like, turns into the circus arena and it's just, like, really out of left field? Yes. Tickle Me is like that, except it has three or four more scenes like that in the movie. It's just weird. They've got, they got some scenes that really come out of left field that just make you have to kind of be like, okay, all right, okay. I'm, like, you can't ignore it, you know? It's not ignorable. Yeah, Girl Happy, its strengths are in a formula that works, the beach party movies. And, like, it's very predictable, but it, they do it well. Yeah. And Tickle Me's strength is in, you have no idea where the movie's going, and it keeps changing yeah. movies, like, every other scene. Yeah. There's too many movies in Tickle Me. Yes. <laughs> There's, like, three or four different kind of movies in Tickle Me, which is fun. I kind of, like, lost it near the end. I think if they, they, they had this energy that they were going with, that if they had stuck with it a little bit better, that I think it could have rounded itself off into a really cohesive movie, but it didn't, it kind of fell flat in the ending again. It just dragged on a little too long, right? Most movies, not even just Elvis movies, most movies, that's the, it's the third act that is always what's going to make or break it. Yeah. So, you know, it's watchable. It's the kind of thing I'd definitely put on again, especially if I was going to watch it with um, like a group of people just to have fun with how kind of outrageous it gets. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to give this one four out of ten. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So let us begin with the synopsis. Okay. Which actually does, because there's so much that goes on in this movie, this thing is pretty like, so a singing rodeo rider gets hired at an expensive all-women dude ranch and beauty spa. Yes. He falls for a pretty fitness trainer who is constantly threatened by a gang who wants her late grandfather's cache of gold <laughs> hidden in the ghost town. <laughs> Even just explaining it. It's just like, what? <laughs> and then what happens? Oh, so, okay, are we actually going to go? Well, I mean, all those yeah, things I said at the beginning, they do happen in this movie. Yeah, that's the buildup in the movie. And then, like, the second half of the movie is a Scooby-Doo episode. Yes. Okay, wait, I, let me go to my notes. So here we go. 
Okay. Elvis is Lonnie Beale. I'm going to give that a solid five. Okay. Lonnie Beale, singer slash rodeo writer. Got it. Classic combo. Yeah. So I wrote, he sings, he fights, he gets a job at a ranch. Masked intruders looking for grandpa's gold. <laughs> Lonnie follows the girl to a ghost town where they have this fantasy sequence that happens. Yeah, they have this little dream sequence where they're like pretending to like visualize the old days of the West. Yes. And they've got the girl done up in like the loose woman like style. And they've got Elvis is just a, a really spangled <laughs> rodeo guy. Well, well yeah, we'll cowboy. circle back to it. There's we'll- this weird bit during that time where he's drinking milk yeah i was gonna yeah like i said we'll we'll okay. get back to it okay we'll get back we're to gonna it. highlight that scene and we're gonna highlight the last 20 minutes good because everything else is very much like it could have just been a regular elvis movie that plot yeah but these are the weird elements that make it it bring it up a bit for me yeah so the halfway point is that there's this chicken dinner scene and then because yeah all the girls at the ranch, well, some of them oh, it's are- so sad. Yeah. Uh, no, all of them. The, 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 the purpose of the ranch is for women to lose weight. And so it, it's, it's not a comfortable movie to watch because of that, because they're really mean to the women. Elvis pulls into the, the ranch and he's like, wow, these ladies look so good. And some other guy is like, yeah, where do you see them till after the program when they like inferring that they're going to look hotter because they need to lose weight yeah. when they're perfectly fine looking. It's just a gross, it's just a gross scenario. But no, and then there's this weird fucking scene where this really big woman and her big husband each get their own chicken. And like, I do think it's funny how they're portraying the woman is like ravenously hungry hungry because they're on a diet and yes. i think that's like it's it's kind of funny the the way that they are like yeah now like grab that chicken it's just like okay <laughs> it's ridiculous right it's so ridiculous but for me i couldn't fully enjoy those concepts because i just kept being like this is icky this is gross you gotta be so mean it's very much of a time yeah so that's the halfway point and then the ne- the second half of the movie the <laughs> assailants come back this time they just straight up uh attempt to kidnap her yes but then they uh, get warded off and then of course it turns out that the like sheriff is crooked he's in cahoots with the bad guys yes yeah then we have a rodeo riding montage so at one point elvis is like screw this i'm out or i'm going oh yeah i know right he's like i'm off for the rodeo season he so he joins the ranch because he doesn't have any job or whatever i don't know the point is oh wait sorry i I missed the part because the reason that he's had a falling out with pam the girl that he's that he's got eyes for is that yeah, the boss kissing yeah the boss yeah the, the sneaky boss yeah gives him a smooch and then she walks in and then he's like let me explain and oh there's nothing to explain and then he walks away and then so yeah. he's doing his rodeo riding and we have just a montage of him just getting thrown off the the bull over and over again because he just his head's not in the game man he's yeah, heartbroken he can't focus he, yeah, he keeps trying to call the girl and she won't pick up and- there's the announcer in the the rodeo ring and he hallucinates that it becomes her and she's the one doing the announcing <laughs> some just wild stuff it's really bizarre so then she's going back to the ghost town because she's like i'm gonna find that gold yes and then elvis and his sidekick following her into their jeep and then there's like a sequence where they're they each have their inner thoughts and she's like i can't believe this guy yeah i'll never forget and then elvis is thinking like oh man what's the big deal i mean i I gotta explain this to her and then the the goofy sidekick (laughs) is like it just says something weird like yeah it's so unfair that he's being like this way and then elvis just looks turns to him and goes yep (laughs) Yeah, it's really strange. Inferring that he could hear their thoughts is just. It's. A, so I thought it was gags. a good like fourth wall joke. I thought it was pretty good. Sure. But I I hate that goofy character. He really <laughs> made what the movie would have been so much more funny without him. 
And I feel bad saying that because I don't think the actor is necessarily bad. I just think that the director and everybody else that had their hand in the honeypot here is just is so... It's it's the character. We've had this character before. Yeah. You don't need him. Let out... El- Fucking... There was no problem with watching Elvis run up and down and make gags about drinking milk and shooting guns and whatever the heck. That was funny and that didn't have him in it, I'm pretty sure. He was the bartender. Well, okay. That's fine. He wasn't very big in that scene, and I think that's why that scene worked better than some of the other scenes with him in it did. But that's neither here nor there. Yes. Point is, all our characters converge on the ghost town. A downpour suddenly happens, flash flooding practically. Yeah. And this is the part where she stays in the Jeep, and then she's just like, put the top up, and they put the, there's nothing, there's no canvas on the top. Yeah. And then she's soaked, and then she refused to go in, and then he, this is when Elvis puts her over his shoulder, and he gives her a spank. Oh, Yeah. He spanks her in the butt. There's another spanking. That was so strange. I just remember being like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I just. And so the last 20 minutes of the movie, we joked about this. Like, it would be great if they did a movie that was a Scooby-Doo episode. And then it turns out. horror movie, yeah. They totally (laughs) did. did. There's dudes in masks. There's like running through hallways. wax wax models who turn into yeah, real people they do the full thing banging cupboards secret passages secret yes passageways where people get punched or whatever the heck and the bad guys get taken out and then unmasked at the end and they go oh my god it was the chef yeah. and it's like i can't believe we actually went there i can't believe it i thought that was just the most bizarre freaking thing i have ever seen in an elvis movie and i watched a scene where a fucking dive board cross faded into a picture of another dive board so this movie definitely takes the cake in terms of like outrageousness this beats the circus mirage thing in alcapoco this takes the cake for sure yes because it wasn't just one thing from the beginning because it's it became this yeah. thing in the last third out of nowhere yeah. <laughs> out of nowhere I thought like when I was watching it and I saw the like the the dreamscape act, I thought it was going to lean more into that at the end. And I thought it was going to be like some kind of, I don't know, they were going to tie the concept in somehow. Like maybe she was going to set up a saloon or something in her old grandpappy's house or whatever the heck. No, that scene was just there for no reason. It was there for no reason except for Elvis to get dressed up and make jokes about milk, which is bizarre. And sing an extra song that could fit in. Yeah. Um, we'll yeah. get into. We'll, I have some very interesting things to talk about the music specifically in this movie. Okay. We'll just finish off. So yeah, the bad guys are masked, and then for like only is this only the second time that he actually gets married on screen to the co-star? Oh, I think so. We had Blue Hawaii. It was Blue Hawaii, and, this, and then it's just this one. Because they have the cans, and then the the sidekick gets like strung up in the cans, and they just drag him with the car as they drive away. Yeah. With the just married sign, and then that's that's the end. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's the only other one that they get married. If not, let us know in the comments. Yes, because. We don't have time to double check. <laughs> as soon as we're done with these, we they, they kind of leave our brains. It's true. I, I mean, for me, anyway. Yes. Like, the amount of Googling we actually have to do sometimes when we're on this show because we're like, what the fuck happened during this movie? It's just, it's sometimes, it's so hard to retain, I'll be honest. Doubly so because... There's, there's no interruption of the schedule from our listeners' point of view, but technically it's been like three weeks since I watched Tickle Me. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. We took a few weekends. We didn't record. We're, we're doing a few, like, we're banking a few today. Yeah. And uh, so <laughs> there's like a gap. Yeah, it's hard. It's because, and the thing too is like, either we're watching them one after the other, one week at a time, in which case they all kind of bleed together, mm-hmm. you know, if you watch too many at once. Or the alternative to that is that we're skipping a few weeks and we're forgetting a big chunk of it. And honestly, I just think 
maybe it's kind of cursed to try and watch all 31 Elvis movies. I think it's cursed. I think we've cursed ourselves. Perhaps. But hey, we're, yeah. we're getting there. This is number 18. Yeah. Soon. God. <laughs> so, yeah, where do you want to start? Let's say some nice things. Let's say some nice things about this movie before we shit all over it. Okay, so let's. So, do you want to just go back to the, the two scenes that are actually really good? Yeah, best scenes so far is definitely the one where they turn into crazy cowboys and they have yes. a gunfight and they make jokes about milk. I just found that really... The uh, the some some of it didn't land in terms of like timing, but I found the whole concept actually hilarious. Yes, and I would have loved to watch an entire movie that was just that. Exactly, I would have so loved to see Elvis in a movie where he's like a really ridiculous cowboy who drinks milk and shoots people's guns out of their hands or something. You know. So yeah, the full so the full context they go to they're in the ghost town. Him and Pam. Yes. And then they're in this like rinky dink like rundown bar. Yeah. And then she's like, man, could you just picture what it was like back then? And he's like, oh, yeah, I think back I can picture it. And then it goes, and they've refurbished the whole set, you know, or they, or they probably yeah. shot this first and then wrecked the set to make it all aged and yeah. stuff. But all the characters that we've been introduced in the movie, they all play a part in this fantasy sequence. So there's just like been recast. So yeah, the one dude with like the serious brow is like the bad guy. He's yes. Anyways, the panhandle kid, Elvis, is the panhandle <laughs> kid walks in through the doors <laughs> and everyone hushes up and they're like oh, oh, oh. yeah and he goes up to the bar and then the bartender who's played by like the comedy guy is just like the usual and he's like yep and then he brings out a bottle of milk and pours him a glass <laughs> of milk and then he takes a drink and goes like <clears throat> like Ugh. yeah like, like it's, it's strong really stuff stiff drink. <laughs> and then oh my god the dude the bad guy harasses the girl alva's gotta step in he's like hey she told you to leave her alone and then he goes yeah what are you gonna do about it he's like you think you can take me on in a duel and he's like watch this and then he's got like a silver dollar he throws it in the air he shoots and then like change comes down yeah (laughs) i loved that joke so much oh my god i i laughed so hard when i saw that because it took me a minute to register what had happened too because he shot it and then it came out in coins and i was like what the fuck and then i was like oh my god he shot a dollar and it turned into four quarters genius it's it is the best gag yeah it's i think that we've seen just in any any Elvis Elvis, elvis movie for sure that's the best one 10 out of 10. That's the kind of thing that wouldn't be out of place in like an airplane style spoof or something. That's, I was just going to say that. Like it's really close to an airplane style rip. And I just wish, I'm glad that like, that he probably didn't, I'm hoping that he didn't do as many movies like that. Because I do like some of his more serious works. But I think just one airplane movie with Elvis wouldn't have been such a bad thing. Yeah, if they had just done a full comedy western, I would have been so on board. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But instead, we had to wind up with fucking flaming star. Sucks. And we got one more coming up later. Yeah. Great. Um, <laughs> which is a more serious one, Morgan. So like, he doesn't sing in that one. Remember? Oh yeah. Mm, cool. <laughs> Yeah, so that scene... Okay, so then, right, the, then the dude's like, okay, well, that was impressive, but let me take you yeah. out anyways. And then he shoots the, the gun out of the guy's hand. The guy goes like, oh. And then he gives him a Band-Aid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, here, I, I never could stand the sight of blood. And then there's, and there's like a big zoom in on like Band-Aid brand Band-Aid. Yeah, it was really weird. Holy Jesus. I just can't get over it. I'd like to just watch that whole scene again sometime. Just to be yeah, like, hey, just as a, like a four minute little like short film it's so it's perfect yeah and then he sings a song and then it fades back and that's how that ends yeah 
I think we should make, and when I say we should make, you should probably make for yourself <laughs> uh, a compilation of like the greatest comedy sight gags that Elvis does. There's that one, and there's the one in Girl Happy where he's like putting drinks into his jacket and mm-hmm, shit. Mm-hmm. There's the one too where they're in the apartment. Remember, I can't remember what movie that was from, but they're in the apartment and the apartment starts like busting out and like breaking down and stuff. That's Girls, 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 actually. Oh, yeah, right. The only part of that movie that kind of, well, it didn't work, but it was just so weird that I was like, okay, yeah. this is, I'm on board for this, I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see the visual effect. Yeah. Good job, guys. Yeah. Okay, so we said a nice thing about the movie. Is there another scene that you want to talk about? Like I said, the last 20 minutes is just a Scooby-Doo episode and that was very delightful. Yeah. Yeah. There's like the sidekick is in his own room and then there's a panel on the wall that keeps opening and he gets punched in the face over and over again. Yes. And he yeah. keeps going like, Elvis, Elvis, come in here. I swear there's something going on. He's like, hey, what are you talking about? There's nothing. It's just a. Yeah. And there's like, and then they do like the thing where they open the door and there's just like a creepy ghost man in like a rocking chair. Yeah. And then they close it and they open it again and he's gone. Yeah. One of the bad guys is wearing like a werewolf mask and one of them's just got like yeah. a ghoul face and it's just so scooby It's really, it's really weird. I, I wasn't like. I liked that it was committed to going so ham with the Scooby-Doo concept, but I didn't like the last part of the movie where they're doing the Scooby-Doo stuff because it 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 was something like, I just couldn't believe it almost. I was like, uh, you know. In my Elvis movie? Like, come on. I, no, it was just like, like, the dream sequence made sense because it was a dream sequence, right? They established that they're daydreaming. Sure. Whereas this one, we're technically still in, and I'm throwing air quotes, the real world. And it's right. All very... And so, but they're still acting like they're behaving. Not that the, the concept of like bad guys dressed in, in outfits to make scary things is, is unbelievable. But the way that the characters themselves were interacting with that concept was too fourth wall breaky for me okay like they were almost too self-aware with the like oh my god it's monsters and it's like okay yeah it's monsters all right <laughs> fair enough but it wasn't the, it, it wasn't the worst though it, it definitely wasn't the worst because it was fun i just feel like it should have had more setup maybe or like should have been more somehow cohesive like i should have been prepared for that you know if I had been prepared for that, I probably would have been like, yeah, and then the monster takes off his mask and it's a guy. I get it. You know, I would have probably been more on board, but yeah, it's not bad. It's a weird one. It's weird. It's really weird. Just YouTube search the like <laughs> ending. It's probably out there somewhere. Or at least the, the fantasy yeah. sequence is. I've, I've checked. You can have that in isolation. Just this own <laughs> little mini scene. Gosh. So I guess, shall we talk about the people behind this or the songs first? Um, let's do the songs first. Get them out of the way. I okay. don't remember too many of them, to be honest. I found them pretty regrettable. Well, here's the interesting thing about this movie. Yes. This is the only time this has happened. Okay. As a cost-saving measure, they did not write any new music for this movie. Okay. All the songs that are in this film were from previous albums from like the early 60s that Elvis had recorded. Oh, weird. Yes. And they just kind of plopped them. Slopped them in there. Anytime. That's why also... They sound so much like studio recordings. Like you can hear the like reverb and like right. the, the room. Like they don't even try to disguise the I fact. I did notice the quality. Yeah, was pretty good. Yeah. I noticed it especially like because I just recently watched the next movie that we're going to talk about. Yes. And I noticed that the audio quality for it was, was not as good as the last movie I had watched, which was this one. Right. So that makes sense now. I was wondering when I was watching, I was like, why does this sound kind of shitty (laughs) 
It's because they had a lot of, they had to really compete with studio recording. That makes sense now. And so the plus side of that is that we actually get to talk about some of his non-soundtrack albums, just like the, yeah. a, a brief deep dive just to talk about it. Yeah. So the first song, there's nine songs in this movie. Okay. The first one is It's a Long, Lonely Highway. Right. Which I believe we mentioned was part of a previous film, but then got dropped. Right. But that wasn't actually the case. All it was, it, they added as a bonus track on that particular film soundtrack. Oh. But it wasn't okay. supposed to be part of that film. It's part of this film, though. Yeah. So this movie came out in 65, and It's a Long, Lonely Highway was recorded in May of 63 and released as a single. Oh. Then the second song is It Feels So Right. Right. And that one is from all the way back in March 1960. Wow. From Elvis's Back, his fourth studio album. It was the first one that he released after coming back from the army. Oh. Which is why it's called Elvis is Back. Ooh. That album was the first album of new material since 1957. Wow. And it was released just before the G.I. Blues soundtrack album came out. Right. So that's that one. Then song number three is Such an Easy Question. And that's from March of 1962 from Elvis's seventh studio album called Potluck with Elvis. <laughs> Potluck with Elvis. What? Which in the timeline was released between the Follow That Dream and Kid Galahad soundtracks. Did each album that Elvis has done bring one song to the album? Is that why it's called a Potluck? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I don't know what <laughs> the deal was with that, but no. Okay. Then fourth song is Dirty Dirty Feeling. Recorded in April of 1960. That was also from Elvis's back. Okay. Then Put the Blame on Me from March of 1961 was released on his sixth studio album, Something for Everybody. Okay. Which was released just before Blue Hawaii. Right. That soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> so if you're if you're if you give piecing together the timeline in your in your mind of how this is all going. It's, it's looking like really fragmented for me. Like it's kind of all over the place. Yes. Like bottom line, there's the fourth studio album, the sixth studio album, the seventh studio album, and this movie picked a few songs from each of those right. and one single, which was the first song. Right. Song number six, I'm Yours from June 1961. That was also with from Potluck with Elvis. And then Night Rider, October 1961, recorded Potluck with Elvis as well. Then the eighth song is I Feel That I've Known You Forever, which was also from Potluck with Elvis. So actually, yeah, almost the majority Mostly. is Potluck with Elvis. Yeah, it's from Potluck, yeah. That's weird. And then the last song is called Slowly But Surely. That was recorded May 63, so the same time as uh, It's a Long Lonely Highway. So they bookend the movie with like the most recent songs that he would have released. I see. And that was included as a bonus track on the Fun and Al Capoco soundtrack. Oh, okay. But was not from that movie. Right. So there. There's the songs. And um, They were weird. Yeah, does any of them, can you remember, no. did anyone stand out? I, th I think there was one or two that were like, okay, but it. I've noticed for me, it was really hard to engage with these songs because of the weird, like, atmosphere with the girls. Like, there was a lot more visually going on during sing-songing with, with the girls and just, like, incorporating them into the scene. And I, I just remember, like, looking at what they were doing with the chicks and being like, why am I watching this? <laughs> What's happening here? Yeah. Why does this make sense? Like, and especially now knowing that the songs were kind of picked from different albums, it makes sense that I was feeling that way because I I remember like being like these songs don't kind of really I can't, I couldn't tell how integrated they were with the movie. And it I turns out couldn't tell, not at yeah, all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so that makes sense. Yeah. Once again, so I think this was kind of like a, a failed experiment where I don't think they really ended up saving much money. 
or um well also we should point out okay so actually here's another important note okay this is the only elvis movie that was released by allied artists pictures what's that they were a small independent studio they were actually almost going bankrupt around the time of this movie wow okay and a lot of people will say that this movie saved the studio it wasn't just elvis that single-handedly did it (laughs) but it did this movie was a hit it did make money so it did help right but it wasn't like, oh, man, if this Elvis movie tanks, then we're done for. And, and then it makes it. And yeah. everyone goes like, yay. It's like, no, there was other <laughs> factors. But yeah, they were right. not doing too well. And so they, they needed yeah. a, a surefire hit. So I guess that's what they're like. Well, get with Elvis because all his Elvis, movies yeah. make money. True. True, true, true. So yeah, this came out June 30th, 1965. All right. So who's responsible for this movie? Well, you know the director. It's Norman Torog. It's Norman Torog. Yeah. Our boy. How many more, how many more movies do we got to watch by Norman Torog? This is movie number five of nine, so we got four more to go. Okay. That's not so bad. I can deal with that. Especially since this one was better. At least I for sure think it's better than his other stuff we've seen. I think so too. Yeah, it's it's better than some of the other stuff that I've seen. But I'm just, I'm getting real tired of watching his name pull up on the opening <laughs> credits. Getting real tired of it, man. <laughs> and then the cinematographer yeah. is our boy Loyal, Loyal Griggs. <laughs> he's back this is his third and third of three so his last elvis okay. movie that he does after gi blues and girls 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 came back for this one yeah he did a pretty good job yeah there's some shots there's going some, on yeah, especially when they do that whole stuff. scooby-doo stuff they like you know yeah it, it's filmed like yeah and they they used yeah because then the of course there's no power in the old hotel so like once darkness falls when it's raining like they use some lighting and they stuff some, and it's kind of yeah, interesting interesting stuff yeah it wasn't really sh- like crummy to look at. It was like, you know, the colors looked nice. The sets looked as good as they can in an Elvis movie. And, you know, it's not bad. Yeah. But the main creative force here that we can thank mm-hmm. for like this weird Buckwild screenplay yeah. are the Who writers. They yeah. were a duo. There's Elwood Ullman and Edward Burns. Okay. They did stuff separately. So I just, Elwood Ullman, I just want to point out that he co wrote. Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine from 1965, which is another beach party movie. Okay. But one of those beach party movies where they were starting to mix up. So it's kind of a beach party movie meets like a spy spoof. And Vincent Price is in it. I was just going to say, yeah. I was going to say it sounds like a spy movie. (laughs) And then Edward Burns actually went into directing. Okay. And and directed a bunch of stuff that they also co-wrote. But together, what they're best known for is they did a bunch of Three Stooges shorts and a few features. Oh, okay. And there was another comedy troupe called the Bowery Boys. Yes, I've heard of the Bowery Boys. So they together worked on the Bowery Boys Meet the Monsters ah. specifically, which makes sense because there's definitely a lot of that in that last third. Yes, it's coming together. Yes, and mm-hmm. one of the Bowery Boys movies they did was a 1955 movie called High Society. And the weird- Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. Well, what you've probably heard about is the Grace Kelly movie with Frank Sinatra. Oh, never mind then. And that's yeah. the weird thing is that they were nominated for an Oscar yes. because the Academy accidentally thought that their they, movie- Oh my gosh. Was, that's amazing. <laughs> obviously, they didn't this, They didn't go like to the ceremony. Like They've realized their mistake, <laughs> but they allowed the writers to keep the nomination, like the certificate for the nomination. Oh, uh, that's nice. <laughs> That's so great. Holy jeez. I think they even did like a gag too where like the next movie they made, they're like, from the Academy Award nominees. <laughs> <laughs> the writers. Um, That's so fucking great. Yeah, one oh, of my geez. favorite little anecdotes that I've, I've found through my research so far. That's really great. Because yeah, they literally was like, oh, that movie High Society, like they just came out like around the same time. They're completely unrelated. 
That's great. That's how you should do it for t- directors, wannabe screenwriters. All of you take note. If you want to be nominated for a film, just name your film after a film that's wildly more successful yes. and popular than yours. See what's coming out around the time that yours is coming out, and then at the last minute, change yeah. your title to reflect that. And then, yes. <laughs> voila. It's all coming up gravy. Tickle Me was their last collaboration together, oh. writing. They went on to still, you know, like I said, keep you doing yes, and work. Yeah, but separate stuff. So we have the screenwriters to thank for this ridiculous mess. Yes. Their Wonderful. sensibilities is why there's a lot more slapstick and a lot more like right. comedy, like sight gags yeah. and stuff like that. They did a great job. I think they, yeah, I liked it. 10 out of 10. And, and, and Elvis. No, I'm going to 7 out of 10. Not 10 out of 10. <laughs> 7 out of 10. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, whoa, there. Slow yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Elvis, you know leans into it we've talked about how he's a a pretty good physical performer so there's like parts where he's like tripping over furniture and and tables and stuff there yes there's a scene where all the the ladies are doing like yoga kind of they're on they got like mats out and they're doing exercises yes and he's carrying a bunch of stuff and then he like yeah it's falling all over the place yeah who else is responsible are we gonna is that the who else do we gotta talk about that's it for the crew so i guess we can move on to the cast talk about the, the the peeps tell me the name of this guy that i hate so i can find out who he is and write him a letter. Okay, so she's Morgan is referring to Stanley Potter. The, the actor, the character's name is Stanley Potter. So fucking. Stupid. He is played by Jack Mullaney. Jack Mullaney. Jack Mullaney <laughs> played the professor in South Pacific in 1958. Did he do a bad job there too? I have not seen South Pacific. <laughs> what? You have a blind seen spot. South Pacific. Don't start because you know that yeah, means that next time I gotta be like, oh, guess what I watched? I watched South Pacific. I know. So. <laughs> it's true. There's too many movies, okay? And this is a big a old musical from back in you the know, day. You know, but Matt, honestly, if anyone can watch every movie ever, you can do it. I don't know anyone else who could be even close to capable of the job. Thank you. I love the vote you're of confidence. Um, yeah. He appears... Okay, so you're going to love this part. He appears in one future Elvis right. movie. Oh, cool. Great. I... Does he play like I'm a major gonna, I'm gonna role? Take, or... I'm going to bet right. I'm going to bet you right now, though, that you're not even going to recognize him when he shows up again. I hope not. Because <laughs> you not. don't have a good track record with that. I don't. Hey, I recognized the guy on the toilet that one time, and I recognized um, <laughs> the girl some... from. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm very good. I'm very. So I think that's like two out of uh, eighteen movies. <laughs> you know what? Don't listen to him, audience. He's just tricking you into thinking that he recognizes people more. The truth is, he like extensively googles and finds all of the facts about these movies and then comes into this podcast and is like did you recognize anyone and like no and neither did you because you just found it out by looking it up yes <laughs> don't at me <laughs> but you you've already admitted that you just can't be bothered it's to true. do any research so that's it's on true. you isn't it I, it's true it is yes <laughs> shots fired <laughs> okay let's, yeah, let's get back to time it for this shit. yeah get back to it um he sucks. So, he's bad. I don't want to talk about him anymore. Sure. Yeah. On. He's, you know, <laughs> he has like a very kind of, um, it's, it's just a bit too much was what I found. Like he, he, he wasn't capable of, I don't know if it was the, if the, I honestly don't, don't want to shit on that actor. I'm playing, being facetious about it because I, I don't know that it was actually his fault. It just seemed like he's doing what the, how the character is written. It's just one of those characters. Yeah, that's like, it's not a fun character. It was probably funnier back in the day. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. It just doesn't work well. He doesn't let the jokes breathe. He can't, like, just let a joke happen. He's just got to be, like, in there hammering it and just fucking... Yeah. He's pummeling. pulling faces. He's, like, Jerry Lewis. There we go. I was trying to remember. He's kind of like yeah, a Jerry Lewis yes. type. He's got that kind yeah. of structure, too. He's got, like, a... Anyways. <laughs> Let's talk about the boss, the one who hires okay. him onto the ranch in the first yeah. place. Yeah. Who is she? 
Her name. She's, she looks really cool. Yeah, she's great. Her name is Julie Adams. So her mm-hmm. character's name is Vera Radford. Mm-hmm. She was the lead in Creature from the Black Lagoon. Ah, cool. Very cool. She's the one who gets attacked by the gill man and does all the swimming. Yeah. Well, uh, there was a lot of body doubles in the there swimming. There was a lot of... They yeah, got professional was... swimmers and stuff, but still, she's the main yes. lead in that. And then I recognized her, actually, from without having to Google it, because oh. she has a recurring role on Murder, She Wrote. Oh, no shit. Yes. Is this like... Isn't this like the second or third person that's crossed over from Elvis movies into Murder, She Wrote? I've had, yeah, I've made it a point of bringing them up before. when they do. And so we hadn't yeah. had one in a while, but I, she's back. This Eve Simpson wow. is her character's name on the show, and she plays the flirtatious realtor of Cabot Cove, the little town. Oh, okay. So out of the like so many episodes they made, she's only in 10, yeah. but that's still like, that's a, cons- considering how little there's like recurring characters, that was. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. She's like the busybody. They have like this little hair salon where like everyone, all the gossip happens, and that's. Gotcha. And so, like, the way she acted in this movie was literally just, like, her character from her show. Oh, okay. She's, yes, she's very flirtatious. Interesting. And then our main lady, mm-hmm. Pamela Merritt. Yeah, I really liked her. I didn't like everything about the character that she played, but I liked her look. Yes. This was, like, for anybody actually following along with us and watching these movies, this character is styled very different to all of the other characters of the women that we've seen so far. Most of the women in these movies are reflective of sort of closer to the 50s style with permed hair and full dresses and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But now you're seeing like full mod fashion just totally integrated into the styling of of the girls. And this is the first lead that we've had that has like the beehive, just like full beehive throughout most of the film which was really cool and yeah. she's like nice and tanned and, and stuff. yeah because she's so. like the fitness instructor so we have like tank tops and stuff going on almost yeah. like yeah she got one of the definitely one of those wear. like cut off where just the belly the, the yes yeah whatever you call that particular shirt yeah what do you call those shirts the same kind of shirt that johnny depp wears in the original nightmare on elm street <laughs> look it up it's it's really funny oh yeah 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 i remember that because you know it's weird Dudes could rock it too, apparently, I guess, in the 80s. <laughs> Gender norms were already being de-established. Oh, yeah. Thanks to Johnny Depp. So, right. The character's name is Pamela Merritt. The actress is Jocelyn Lane. Yeah. So, tell us about her. Okay. Well, I found I got excited because it turned out she okay. worked in some Italian productions. Ooh. So, I said, ooh, does this mean I get to talk about Giallo again? Does it? If you want me to. Yeah, we can talk about Giallo again. Giallo's cool. Okay. So she didn't do any Jala movies, but watch how I'll make a connection. It's, it's a oh, bit more okay, tenuous, I but I, All right. it just takes one extra step and we get there. Okay. Okay. But the Italian movie she was in, she was in 1960s Robin Hood and the Pirates. So there was an Italian Robin Hood movie made. Okay. And then uh, another big genre of Italian features was sword and sandal mythology movies like Hercules and stuff. Okay. They love doing those in Rome and Italy, which makes sense because they've got like, you know, yep. the history there. So she was in... Venus against the son of Hercules in 1962. Mm. And here's where the connection happens. Okay. So in 1973, she married a prince. Okay. Are you ready for this guy's name? His full title? Yes. Okay. If only I can make fun of it. But just don't interrupt me because I'm not, I, this is a long okay. name. It's a long name. Okay. All right. All right. She married Prince Alfonso Maximiliano Victorio Eugenio Alejandro Maria Pablo de la Santísima Trinidad y Todos los Santos do Lachenberg. No. That's his full title. That's, That's his full not name. Fucking way. It is. <laughs> That's like 
That's like 12 names. I know. The the most important part is that last bit. Okay. Hohenlohen Lochenberg was is he's the, <laughs> I know. He was the prince of that place. Holy shit. That's amazing. Yeah. And how, and so So yeah, they were married between 73 and 85. Okay. But his first wife, they were married from 55 to 60. Her name was Ira von Furstenberg and she was in some Java movies. Oh, okay. Holy Jesus. So I had to dig a little deeper, but I found it. And she was actually in two pretty good ones. Oh, okay. She only had like 29 credits because she was like royalty or whatever. She didn't do much acting. Right, right, right. But she appeared in 1970s Five Dolls for an August Moon. Okay. Which is from Mario Bava, who we've talked about because he pretty much started the genre with The Girl Who Knew Too Much. Right, yes. And then followed up with Blood and Black Lace. So by 1970, he's still doing them. None of, unfortunately, none of them, they were particularly successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Giallo only really became a hit in, in Italy specifically. It, they were successful right. abroad, but in Italy that same year with the release of Dario Argento's first movie, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Right. That was, and then that set off like yeah. the rest of the '70s, as far as Jalo is concerned. Yeah, I've I've noticed even that like Jalo is a name that comes up in a lot of fringe eccentric niche markets that that I know of. So like, there's a connection between Jalo film, like not any specific film, but Jalo as a as a style of filmmaking, through some really strange comic book stuff. You you like you'll meet people who made a comic that turned into a, a short movie that was actually based off of Jalo-style film. Mm-hmm. And it, it only kind of pops up in modern circles through weird niches like that. Yes. So I'm not surprised to hear that it, it wasn't as popular. The most direct line as far as popular cinema is that Jalo directly led into the slasher genre of the 80s. Yeah. There's a, there's a movie from Mario Bava, once again, called Bay of Blood, that they literally lifted a bunch of kills from that movie for the second Friday the 13th. They just straight up copy-pasted the two sequences. Wow. Crazy. A dude gets like a machete to the face and it's like... Oh, okay. I'll have to let Chris know that because he's really into anything horror associated. So he'll be really interested to to hear about the roots of it. Um, And I just... A few more minutes on Jalo because, God, I could just talk about it forever. I know. I've definitely... Especially since the last time we spoke, I've been watching way more Jalo movies. Yeah. Like, I I subscribe to... And we're not sponsored by anyone, but if you guys want a good streaming service, Shudder has all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, Shudder's actually... I'm going to recommend Shudder, too. We've watched some uh, some stuff on Shudder that we we really liked. I'm not big into... um, Like... I don't know how to explain this to you guys. I'm not big into horror, but I watch so much horror <laughs> just because Chris is is obsessed with it. Yes. So I have seen way too many horror movies. And part of that was him getting Shudder and watching a bunch of Shudder movies with him. And there were some on Shudder that were actually really solid. Yes. Some of the like most fun horror stuff that I've seen in a long time has been coming out of Shudder. So and yeah, I'd recommend it. They had a whole collection of Jalo, and I was very excited. And I've I cool. almost watched them all. I've got only a few left over on my list mm-hmm. to get to. But Five Dolls for an August Moon, going back to that, just to mention, that's yep. that's Mario Bava doing Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None. It's literally about people on an island oh. and they're getting picked off. But way more complicated. There's like the, the resolution is, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's just like, what? It, <laughs> I had yeah. to like, I had to do a little reading afterwards to be like, wait, what exactly happened? Like, anyways. <laughs> And the other movie that um, Ira von Furstenberg was in is 1971's The Fifth Chord. Okay. Which I think is really underrated. Oh. It'll make lists of like, oh, this is a pretty good Jalo, but like, I really, really dug it. 
it might be the best looking Jalo I've ever seen because the cinematographer on that movie went on to do the cinematography on Apocalypse Now and like multiple Oscar nominated and Oscar winning things. That's cool. And it has a really cool atmosphere like that. And it's about Franco Nero, who's probably best known for playing the original Django in all those Westerns. Oh. He plays a reporter who gets embroiled in like there's a, a, a spree of killings happening and he's trying to figure out what's going on. And so... It's almost like Zodiac. Like it's not as oh cool. Very sla- cool. Yeah, it's not as slashery or like as as gory as some Jalos, yeah. but it really has a good like. I like the procedural angle to it, and so there's a lot of like that. He's following up on Very leads. Cool. He's investigating. Yeah. Yes, great stuff. Okay, that's cool. it for Jalo Corner. We'll okay. try to hopefully find a way to get back to it yeah, one day. That, that was only like 15 minutes of our time. <laughs> it should be okay. <laughs> It's okay. I'll trim. I'll trim and edit as need be. But I th- I saw yeah. we were kind of ahead of schedule as far as talking about stuff. So I think we can fit it in. Okay. So do do we want to get into any of the other actors? Is it absolutely necessary? Just only a handful. We're gonna just mention okay. the stern other main male guy that's on the ranch. The sheriff. Oh, no, no, oh no. yeah, that guy. Yes. No, he's like the the rough and tough dude. He's called like Biff or something. He's called Brad Bentley. BB <laughs> Brad Bentley, he's played by Edward Faulkner, and yeah, he's the guy who like you know Elvis rubs him the wrong way because he he shows up and Elvis is always doing the singing and distracting the girls from his fitness regime but, that he's trying to do. Well, no, more specifically, Brad doesn't like Elvis because Elvis showed up in town where they were on their date and the boss took a liking to Elvis, but Brad was supposed to be the one that the boss was sweet on. Mm-hmm. So when she starts schmoozing it up with Elvis, Brad's like, Mrah. "Yes, he's he jealous." He used to call me Brad, and now I'm just Mister Bentley. Yeah. And he's got just like just resting stern face, if you yeah. if you will. Like his, his, I said, his brow is very, just. He's a little bit of a monkey man, in my opinion. <laughs> he's got that monk. There's going there's on. some some sharp angles to his features. So, we've actually seen this guy before. It turns out. Yes. But it's been so long, even I didn't recognize him. He played Red in GI Blues. He was one of like the random army dudes. I think from like the opposing okay. little group of army, you know, because they made the bet. I think he was part of the group that was making sure that oh, right. El- Elvis right, was right, right. doing good on the bet or something. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I kind of like this guy, to be honest. I, no, he's cool. I, I don't know what it is. There's something about him. I think, I don't know, maybe the character. Not sure. I liked him. He was kind of fun. He's, yeah, he's not as typical as the other, just like kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't very typical. Bullies or like guys that's like going up against Elvis. He's like pretty level-headed and he's just like, dude, like, come on, trying to do some stuff here. Keep just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, yeah, his his uncredited role in G.I. Blues was his film debut. And he later appeared in Sergeant Deadhead, which is a beach party movie. Right. Another one. That's one that I've heard of, actually. It's well, Sorry, it's it's beach party adjacent because it's not a beach party okay. movie, but all of these. It was made by AIP again, and it's all the same characters. This one's just okay. more of like an army party, if that's a thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and then he, I think, is the lead in the Navy versus the Night Monsters from 1966. There's quite a lot of B movies and different. If you say so, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's. The, what is the name of that movie again? The Navy versus the, Navy? the Night Monsters, the Night Monsters. 1966. <laughs> okay. And there's a few more. Like the lady, there's a lady in here called Mabel. She's played by Allison Hayes. Yeah. And she was in, she was the titular woman in Attack of the 50-Foot Woman from 1958. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. She has that famous poster. She's like holding yes, a car and she's like the over the giant, overpass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Classic stuff. I just like... It, 
I just want to take a since we're already kind of sure going on tangents. I just want to take a moment to appreciate that there was a time in the public sphere where the something that was scary to men was a giant woman. <laughs> That, like, men would watch a movie and be like, oh, my God, that woman is so huge. She's unstoppable. <laughs> like, I just, there's something about that that really, really tickles me. And now you fast forward to present day and people are watching Resident Evil trailers and they say, big lady, ooh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> ooh, she's unstoppable, they're saying. Look at how many polygons are in her butt. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she doesn't come this way. Uh-oh. <laughs> so stupid. Yes. What do we have here as well? It's yeah. What do we have? So there's a character in here called Barbara. Uh-huh. And the actress is named Barbara. <laughs> it's one of those. <laughs> this was her film debut. She's only got 14 credits, but she's in two more Elvis movies. Oh. Including, not to jump ahead, but the movie we t- we're talking about next after we're done oh. talking about this one. She pops up cool. at one point in that. Nice. But she was also yeah. in the 1966 John Frankenheimer movie, Seconds, which is a really cool sci-fi movie. Ooh, okay. That the main setup is that there's this middle-aged dude, and then he bumps into this, some dude who says, hey, it's me. I'm your old buddy from before. But he doesn't look the same. He looks like this weird young guy. Right. And he's like, I've, there's this company that will give you like a new body, and you get to live like a second life and be like young again. Interesting. And yeah, it's really cool. It's all in black and white. And the cinematography on it is very interesting. There's a lot of fisheye lenses, mm, okay. some interesting like Dutch angle stuff going on. Cool. So yeah, that's a cool one. <gasps> Matt, do you want to hear a funny anecdote about Dutch angles? Go right ahead. Do you remember when we were in college together and we got that new film professor who was like a younger guy and he was kind of like kind of one of the funnier professors and whatever? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, we were talking once about Dutch angles and like why they were called Dutch angles. And he told me, because he was being a, a smart ass, I guess, that they called them Dutch angles because they used to put the camera onto a windmill and like angle it <laughs> to get an angled shot. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting. And then I left college and five years later, somebody in my school that I went to after that asked why are they called Dutch angles? And that's what I fucking said. Totally thought it was real. Totally believing it to be true that that's why they were called Dutch angles. Only to have the professor of that class in front of everyone of my peers say, no, Morgan, that's really stupid. <laughs> this is why they're called Dutch angles. Uh. <laughs> and I just, I remember like sitting in my desk afterwards and just being like, my God, that man planted a bomb so long ago, so deep inside of me that I would have never known that this is how it would all come about. Anyway, that's my story. Don't trust your teachers, kids. Don't trust your teacher. <laughs> Sometimes. Especially if you're, especially, I should have known better too, because one of the first things he ever yeah, yeah. said to me was, I was like, yeah, I'm native. And he was like, oh, so feather not dot. And I was like, what? <laughs> I just was like, what the, you can't say that. <laughs> and I was just like, I, yeah, feather not dot, whatever, man. <laughs> I should have known better. It was my own folly. Anyway. Indeed. Tell us about, yeah, tell us about any, what's the rest of this movie we're going to talk about? I think that's it for, wait, let me just double check. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, I want to highlight, so the one of the, all the, because all the girls are pretty interchangeable in the, in the, um, yeah. on the ranch, but the one that has like 
an actual she's the one that's always hungry that's her character yeah right? yeah she's the, yeah it at least it helps her stand out so i was able to be like oh i i made a note like estelle penfield equals the girl who's hungry and that is trying to steal a chicken <laughs> in that scene yeah I do like the chicken stealing scene. She's behind a bush and she's got like, she takes like a big like barbecue like <laughs> fork thing. She's just being thing. so, yeah, she's being so tricksy about it, you know? She's like, yeah, I'm going to steal the chicken. And she's got a giant fucking prong mm-hmm. and pokes this poor lady in her butt. Yes, accidentally. Which is a funny joke. Yeah. But I just, the idea, the idea of a really hungry woman stealing somebody's full chicken is really funny to me visually. I, I really enjoyed that she was just like, mm, yum. Especially since she does, there's two, they each have a chicken and she gets the one and brings yeah. it over. And, and she's, she's just like, eating it with her bare hands, just like, yeah. um, num, 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 num. Mm, num, num, num. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> I feel that. I, I resonated with that on a personal level. And yeah, we see her throughout, like, there's times where there's, like, the little cafeteria area, and she's like, please, can I have seconds? Can I have more? And she's yeah. trying to, like, load up her plate, please. and he's like, uh-uh-uh, only one little steak yeah. per person is, like, a small little steak that's, like, the size there's of someone's fucking, palm. There's a scene where she, that. like, literally goes up to Elvis and is, like, borderline, oh, Elvis, if you give me another little piece of steak, I'll do you. <laughs> it's like, dude, Pretty you gotta much. calm down. Gotta chill. Take it down a notch, you know. <laughs> but uh, if that, I'm saying that, you know, it's a <laughs> fucking problem. <laughs> that actress is Mary Anders. Okay. And she played Holly Dalton in The Dalton Girls from 1957. Mm-hmm. And she was also a female lead character in Young Jesse James in 1960. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So um, I guess if that's all for this week's movie, then we'll just wrap it up. And say thank you to everybody that uh, came to. Well, do we want to? Th- there's some factoids. You cannot oh, let there, this. We can't go back factoids? without some factoids. Oh, okay. Well, excuse me. I didn't know there was more factoids. I thought that whole 15 minute Here, Jalo thing. Was here's the, the way we. That's not a factoid. That's a tangent. <laughs> you know how it goes. Okay. All right, factoids. Tell we me. Su- we say. Man, I'm gonna. We do the okay. plot. We do the actors okay. and actresses. We do the music, and then we always end it with just random IMDb facts. Oh, okay. Come on now. Well, so doing this. Know. This is the 18th episode. <laughs> we'll, ne- we'll never get it right. We'll be at episode. We'll be no. on the final episode 31, and we'll be like, "What are we doing?" I, <laughs> yeah. How does, how does podcast? I, that's how I feel every time I step onto an episode. I'm like, "What the fuck? What am I doing?" <laughs> Wait a minute. Are we rolling? <laughs> yeah, it's fair enough. Okay, because okay, there's a little cheeky nod to Elvis music because there's Return a part. Return to sender. Okay. Yep. Good. You did pick that up. Yeah, he tries to send. Yeah, he sends. He s- tries to send her a letter, and the guy's like, "What? What happened?" He's like, "He says return to sender on it," and it's a little gag for the the song yeah. "Return to Sender." It's very good. His his actual line is he 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 shows him the letter and he goes, "What do you think this is? A ham sandwich?" <laughs> <laughs> and then it just zooms in on it, and there's a big "Return to Sender" in red like stamp. Yeah. Oh wait, yeah. Why didn't I? I can't believe. See, this is why we got to bring these things up. Okay. This is the Elvis movie. Yeah. That is notable for having the record number of fight scenes oh really there's like six separate punch outs in this movie okay yeah there's the one at the beginning of the yes brawl. that gets him in trouble there's and fired one... so he has to get the job at the ranch in the first place there's the one where he fights brad bentley yes there's the one where he fights the kidnappers yes which he does twice yes then there's the one where he fights the bad guys while they're masked and then at and the... the sheriff yes right I think that's pretty much that's six. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of fight scenes. He's he's throwing so many punches, and this movie's like ninety minutes. Yeah, they probably could have trimmed a couple of those fight scenes. So right, I mentioned that. So yeah, he made this film in a deal with the floundering Allied Artists Studio. Yeah. 
and he actually he took a pay cut. Oh, really? And didn't and didn't record any new material in exchange for fifty percent of the film's profits. Ooh, holy shit! So yeah. Holy Jesus! Yikes! So the movie cost one point five mil, ended up making five million worldwide. Wow! So he made two and a half. Two point yeah, two and a half million dollars off of that movie. Damn. But like I said, it was credited with helping save highlight artists from bankruptcy. So <laughs> guess it all worked out. Everyone got what they want. Yeah, I guess so. Jeez. The last thing I want to bring up is that we've talked about the Laurel Awards in the past. The, that weird like yeah. magazine-based uh, award where they would just list the lists at the end of each year. And this is the one he actually won oh. first place for best musical performance male role. Hmm. Well. And he didn't do a bad job in this one, but I don't know if it was award worthy. It's hard to tell. And he actually beat the Beatles. Oh Jesus! The Beatles got second place for how, um. How how does that keep happening? How does he keep beating the Beatles? Somehow, uh, specifically I mean, I, their their second film, Help, was like their follow up to A Hard Day's Night. This is what they were right. nominated for. So I mean, I love Elvis Presley to pieces, but I don't think that he's better than the Beatles. I feel like that's just a fact that Elvis is not better than the Beatles, right? Can we agree on that? I think that's maybe a fair. We should cu- I think maybe we should cut this part because I feel like this is going to get inflammatory real quick. It's fair. We don't want to start any. <laughs> this is this will this will be the one that'll cancel us. <laughs> okay, so uh, things that we've covered in this podcast: Elvis is not better than the Beatles, and <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> we ready to wrap up this uh, this episode. Wanna, oh wait, I do have one last thing. We've not this. Okay. We haven't brought him up yet. Okay. But one of Elvis Presley's best buddies, uh, and kind of like one of his bodyguards, let's say, like you know how he has his whole entourage, the, the Memphis Mafia, they call them. Yep. This guy named Red West. Oh my god, that's a great name. It is, and he appeared in a lot of Elvis movies, oh. usually uncredited. And in this one, he's specifically the guy who fights Elvis at the beginning. I think. Oh. He's also, I know for a fact, he's the one who plays Elvis's brother in Wild in the Country, that they get the fight in the barn at the beginning. Oh. Yeah, because I think he was also, like, he worked as, like, he did a lot of stunts, so that's why he was usually right. a guy that would get beat up or, like, fight Elvis in a lot of the movies, and like I said, they're best buddies. Right. And I think, yeah, I think he's in, Yeah. out of the 31, he's in more than half. Oh, wow. In, like, some part or another. Yeah, he's in a lot. Crazy. Okay. So, yeah, if people were wondering, like, when are they going to talk about Red West? They would just did. Okay? You happy <laughs> okay. now? All right. We've got him. Red Red West. I'll mention when he comes back again, I guess, because there's still some more future movies that he'll appear in. All right. Let's do it. Final thoughts and, and then their sign-off. Final thoughts. Um, I don't want to watch this movie ever again, but if I had to, I could get through it with a bowl of popcorn and a, a group of people who are really ready to make fun of a, a mediocre Elvis movie. Yes. It has fun. What did I say? Four out of ten. Right. I'll be a bit yeah. more generous. I'm, I'm. You would. I'll give it like a... I want to say, because five is like right in the middle. So maybe like a 5.5. If we're doing decimals, if okay. I can do a half. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, we can do decimals. 4.25. Because that's about how much of the movie actually works, I guess. 4.33333333333. Yeah. Well, folks, that's all for today. We're going to wrap it up and say a mighty, mighty goodbye. Thank you so much for tuning in. It was a real pleasure. 
um, having you as an audience. Yes. Even though I can't tell that we're having you as an audience because this is a pre-recorded session. But either way, thanks so much for listening. The numbers are there. <laughs> they say that you're out there and listening. We know you're out there. We hear you. We see you engaging with us on Twitter on occasion. And we love you for Speaking it. Speaking of, so much. Uh, please, yeah. if you, you a Twitter shout out? feel like it, no, follow us on Twitter. Oh. Yeah, follow at, us on Twitter. At Elvis has left pod. And we also have a Facebook page. We sure do. It's been sorely neglected by me. It's called Elvis Has Left the Movies. Um, you can find it if you just search it on Facebook. Or you can also just search us on Google and find um, our Podbean and all of the other places that we're hosted. So thank you for joining. And as always, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, you very much. much.